Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. We usually release these episodes on Monday, but we're doing this one early for a very special reason. My guest today is my old friend Jack Plotnick, and he is an actor and filmmaker, and his movie Space Station 76 opens this weekend in New York and L.A., so we're going to put this episode out early to sort of get the buzz going for his movie, and also you can um, watch it video on demand on September 23rd. So no matter where you are in the country, uh, on the 23rd you will be able to watch Space Station 76. Um, Before we get to the interview with Jack, a little bit of housekeeping. I'm very excited. I've got the DennisAnyone.net website up and running, and if you go there, you can do all kinds of cool things. You can subscribe to my newsletter, you can take the audience poll, which really helps so much as I try to grow this podcast. You can leave a little donation in my tip jar, and um, it goes to help keep the podcast free and help me with hosting costs and expenses and parking when I go visit people and they live in streets where it's expensive to park. And I want to give a shout out to two people who are very generous and donated recently. Clint Richardson, who is a repeater. Thank you, Clint. That's amazing. And uh, Bob Crawford. So thank you to both you guys for helping keep me going. It really does mean a lot. Um, I also want to let you know that you can follow me on Twitter at Hensley Dennis and like me on Facebook, all of that good stuff. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you subscribe and come back for more. I love to talk to creative people about how they do what they do and all the ups and downs that go with that, and I think we can all relate to that sort of struggle and uh, the journey. I can't believe I just used the word journey. We all have a journey, whatever our journey is, and I hope that I give you something entertaining and inspiring and sometimes surprising, and I had lots of fun and lots of surprises with my friend Jack Plotnick. Check it out. All right. Hey there, everybody. Hi. Wait, wait, you just started talking I at the same time. I know. Show. Okay, go ahead and introduce us. Hey, everybody. It's Dennis Hensley's show. <laughs> it's Dennis Hensley. Listen to him because if you don't, you're gonna. There's not a lot of M rhymes. No, there's not really. I'm in Jack Plotnick's apartment, and we're gearing up to do this podcast of Dennis Anyone. And, Jack, it's a very exciting weekend for you. You said it. I know, and here's the thing. No, you Normally, literally just said it. I literally just said it. And if you rewind it, there's proof, because everybody heard you say it. I know, even on this little rinky-dink microphone that I have. <laughs> I um, normally post my podcast on Monday, but because oh. this is a big weekend for you, I'm going to sneak this one out early. Oh, cool. Thank so you. So that the kids can go see your movie, Space Station 76. Oh, my God. Thank you for that. Uh, co-written so this, yeah. and directed by Jack Plotnick. Yeah. First feature film. Yes. Now, where is it opening? Where can people I, see I it on the big screen? I don't count any of my porn as feature films. No. Because people tend to watch them in five-minute chunks. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah. And they don't hold up... They don't have a... Well, I guess they do have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I they have do. a beginning, a middle, and an end. I know. <laughs> and that's the mark of great drama. <laughs> when there's a I, read, I heard that somewhere. Every, every exactly. good film should have a climax. I know, right? <laughs> don't you hate on XTube when you watch a clip and they don't finish? What's X2? I know, I no. like that. Anyway. <laughs> I I, it feels like, like you got chipped of the price bit, you spent. A little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, where were we? Your film's opening. Yes, my movie got bought, Space Station 76 got bought by Sony Pictures, which is like this dream come true. Right. And it, it's about to sh- uh, premiere theatrically in New York, L.A., um, it's playing in Missouri, and then it's gonna. That's on the nineteenth, and then it's coming out on VOD worldwide on the twenty third. Twenty third is the the drop date for VOD worldwide. And is that what the kids are calling? I guess it? I, I made that up. <laughs> and then 
This weekend, you can see it on the big screen, yeah, which is spectacular to look at. You should try to see it on the big screen. I do think it's, yeah, it's a special experience to see because it's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my designer is just, I mean, the movie looks ten times better than I ever dreamed it could have. And we built an entire spaceship on a soundstage in the valley. I visited that very soundstage. Yes. And it, I have to tell you, it, felt, it feels like quite a while ago that I did that. And then there we were at Outfest watching the finished product. And I was like, wow. The oh, effects yeah. and just how it all came to life. And yeah, there's more effect shots in my film than Star Wars. There's 20 minutes of effect shots in my movie. Now, there, some are more subtle than others, but yeah, we, it took a while because there was yeah. a lot of work to be done. Now, where can they see it in L.A.? Is it a in Cine, L.A., you can watch Cine it at the Family? Cine Family on Fairfax. Nice. You can go to their website. It's, some people call it the silent movie theater, but I certainly mm-hmm. hope they have sound for my movie. I think they probably will. It's so will. much more enjoyable when you can hear people, what they're saying. Now... How and in New York, it's playing at the Quad. At the Quad. That's is, where all the cool arty films yeah, show. Yeah, it's in Manhattan. You don't got to get on a subway. I love it. Yeah. Now, how would you describe the story to people that have never heard of it? And, well, uh, it, Space Station 76, it, 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 you know, it's a, it's a sci-fi dramedy. You know, I like that. Which, which means it's sort of like a dark comedy, or you could say it's a tongue-in-cheek drama. It, it takes place in the future as we had imagined it in the 1970s. And it's about this group of people who are sort of stuck on this space station in the middle of nowhere. And, and uh, there's a brand new um, assistant captain arriving on the ship. That's a woman. <gasps> I know. Right? Liv Tyler. And that's who a big is deal. luminous? Oh, isn't she amazing? I yeah. love her. I, I got to I see I want to swim in her face. I want to swim it, in her face. Is that a, 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 a saying? Did I just make that up? I think I think that's beautiful. Yeah, that's you could start in her eyes and then just swim through the rest of her face yes. if you still had energy. Yes, which yeah. you'd be exhausted. But don't eat first. <laughs> you cramp. She, you cramp. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler, she's the new captain. She shows up yeah. on the ship, and of course, this this makes the existing captain a little uncomfortable. And that's played by Patrick Wilson, and he is hysterically genius in, in the role of uh, he's got this mustache and he's a real male chauvinist, but he's hiding a secret. I like he, that. Yeah. I don't know. I w- maybe we'll give it away later, but for now, and, I think we keep it yeah. secret. And you know, her presence on the ship kind of rocks the boat for uh, Matt Bomer is in the film and he, and he's just so incredibly amazing in this role of this pot smoking ships technical guy with a robotic hand because of something that went down when he was in the army he's married to misty played by the the brilliant marisa coughlin and they're this married couple you know the whole thing feels like the suburbs in space you know like a friend told me that the movie looks like space 1999 and the brady bunch had a baby yes i think is perfect right because it is for me the the whole uh, uh, impetus to create the movie was to to explore what it was like to be a kid in the suburbs in the 70s, you know? So um, I wanted to create this world that is at one time something you've never seen, which is like this fantastical future, but at the same time, it's all, all sort of combined with what it was actually like to be in the suburbs and what it looked like in the suburbs in the 70s. So you're, it's sort of weirdly familiar, even though it's something brand new. Yeah. It's really unique. It's really original and and special. Now, there's a melancholy that's kind of in the movie that that I find really haunting and... and, um well, yeah, and it because, sort of stays with you. And is that something that you felt growing up? Or is it something that evolved as you were working on the project? You or, know, again, like, where does that come from? Well, I, I, I'm a... Uh, what is the word? Genic, genetically depressed. No, I'm kidding. No, no. What happened is... <laughs> that, I was like, I, do I have to look that up? I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> awful. A lot, lot of big words right out the gate. No, um... 
Okay, so as I said, you know, I wanted it to be about what it was like to grow up in the suburbs, and I thought that using the retro, you know, setting it in the retro future, which was this beautiful future we dreamed about, that but that never came true, seemed a great way to to sort of um, symbolize what it was like to be to to move out to the suburbs, because so many people thought, well, that's what I'm supposed to do, that's and that's answer. where I'll be happy. And for a lot of people, my parents included, it wasn't, and it wasn't what they thought it would be. You know, this, uh, and also setting it on a lonely, isolated space station is uh, really what a lot of people were feeling in the suburbs. Was yeah. this this intense claustrophobia and isolation? Because really, all the action was in the cities. You know, yeah. but yes, in terms of the melancholy, while I actually had an amazingly happy childhood. I think that I was picking up what my parents were going through because, I mean, they divorced. They didn't even wait for me to, like, step on the bus to go to college. I, I was packing my bags, and they're waving goodbye, and they're tearing up their marriage. <laughs> it, was like, it was all done at the same moment. It's like the last kid left the, na- the nest. We can finally get away from each other. And it, Did you see it coming? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but said, did, you felt, think, did you think they would go through with her, it? I begged her to get a divorce yeah. once I was in high school. It was right. like, what do you just stop? You don't have to do this for us. Yeah. But it was hard for children of the 50s, you know? Yeah. And because back then in the 70s, you, there, it was still very much, this is your roles and this is what you should do and this will make you happy. And if it doesn't, then, well, there's Valium or some right. marijuana or, you know, because everyone on the ship is self-medicating. For sure. Yeah. And uh, they do it in really entertaining <laughs> and quirky ways. Yes, there's now, a, a pharmacy machine in the hallway. You I love it. You hand on it. It says, it is a, yeah, well, well, go ahead. You know, what is your prescription? And, and the character just says, Valium, and then she and the machine just chunks this yeah. like, like a soda machine. This Valium bottle, and yeah. I that, I recognize the voice of some of those things. Well, you did some of the voiceovers. <laughs> I wanted to be in my movie. I know. And at first, I thought it was going to be a female voice, and then I realized, well, wait a minute, maybe it could be my voice, which ended up sounding like a female voice. What are some of the things you say? It's really I love the way you um, say them. Unidentified pod approaching. No, you know what I did love you about have the to voice. Do a lot of takes, or was it like? Did you know intuitively how it needed to sound? Uh, you know, I, I again, this movie is an homage to all of my favorite sci-fi films of right. the seventies, and this is a this is a classic, you know, seventies thing, which was that voice that, and what I love is the voice on our ship. It just announces everything, so it's like elevator door opening. Elevator door close, and you're like, "Why are you telling? I can see it's opening, and I don't care that." It- so I, I always love that. I love the voice of the ship, and it must and have been fun to go in and do that. It was. It was a blast. Yeah. And on set, I did. I did it too. Yeah, yeah. I would love it if that voice narrated like a sex scene. <laughs> right. It's like now dispensing lubricant. <laughs> um, oh, you mean like if it was like yeah. he enters her anally? Now, now entering. <laughs> now yeah. entering. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Now, has your family seen the film? Have they? Uh, yes, and you know, what it they was think so interesting. It? My mom watched them. Well, my brother saw them, uh, the movies. Your yeah, brother's older than you. Yeah, and he said that was our family. And I love that he got it because Did it's you, had you it's set not, him up for that at all, or was no, he just like, no, what do you I, think? I didn't want to say anything. I mean, yeah. the, and the thing is, it's not my family. Like none of the characters are, 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 are sort of exactly what my family was. However, he got the parallels. And specifically, which characters? Because all, all the pain and all the laughter of my childhood is in this movie. But yeah. you know, I think the, the in the main couple, which is um, Ted and Misty, Matt Bomer, Marisa Coughlin, uh, that they're the, that's the marriage that you can really tell was is not going right. And, right. And um, yeah, but the whole movie is a kind of about relationships and about how hard it can be to connect with people and how hard it is to ever truly feel like you have what you need to be happy. You know, everybody. There's always just well. If I could just have that thing, you know, yeah. that, that I love that 
you know, that song, Katie Lang, Constant Craving, you know, that, yeah. that was in my head, you know, through the process of making the movie. That's interesting. But, but yeah, so my brother picked that up and then my mom, you know, she watched the movie on my computer alone and she was like, that was so sad. And I said, no, actually, mom, a lot of people think it's really funny. She goes, oh no, this couldn't be funny. And I, and I, t- I told her, I said, when you're going to sit in a theater someday, you're going to hear people laughing. And I was so glad when she finally did and she got it. And now she does find it really funny. Yeah. But that's my favorite kind of black comedy is like young adult or any of Todd Solon's movies yeah. where you're cackling at something on, 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 on screen and, and somebody looks at you in the audience and they're like, how could you possibly laugh at that? Right. I love movies like that. I think it's great. Yeah. Now, um, when you were shooting it, what was something that turned out way that, that, that like was different than you thought it would be? Or because I'm sure as a director, you go in with like, okay, this is my game plan, and then what was different about directing than you thought it might be? Well, wait, hold. On. Uh, do you mean what was different? If, oh, I knocked over the microphone. That's okay. Um, are you saying what looked different or what came out differently? Or, or do I think you mean I kind as of, a director? Yeah, I think as different? a director, what was different oh. about the experience than you thought it would be? As a director, not as yeah. the product. Okay. Um, well, you know, they told me it was going to be hard. Yeah. And it really is the hardest thing you can do in your life. But, but my friend uh, also told me, you'll immediately want to do it again. And that is how I felt, you know. Um, but uh, you know what? I've, I've been on sets sort of my whole adult life. And I've also been directing and working with acts. So it didn't feel like anything that new. But what I, but I was really a little surprised by was just the sheer adrenaline that goes through your body. And here's why. This is how I describe directing a movie. It's like in the morning, somebody dumps a, a 5,000 piece puzzle on the floor and says, okay, you have till 5 p.m. to put that together and any pieces you can't fit in are gone forever. And that, that is, that's exactly what it is. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But what I love is, I locked, I watched the movie and I go, that is exactly what I intended or better. Yeah. So there was nothing There was nothing that in my mind I thought, oh, I want it to be this, and then it turned out it wasn't. I mean, there was literally, okay, I'm thinking of one example, and that is when we first meet the suburban housewife, um, uh, Misty, who is, can be a real terror. Anyway, she was in the script suspended in, in, in a large tank, like Luke was in, in Empire Strikes Back. You know? Right, of course. Or like, um, what's his name in that altered states, you know? William Hurt, right. Yeah, exactly. And we, we just couldn't make it happen. It is shocking. Yeah, I was like, what, what, just get a bunch of buckets of water. And apparently there's like, you, you can't just dump water in something. You have to, it has to circulate. There's all these forms to fill out. So we decided that we made it a sun tanning uh, chamber, which actually worked so much it better. It looks really cool on screen. Yeah. And so much more right for that character right. that she would be just charring her body that way. And yeah. So, the, so, you know, little things like that, but no, everything turned out better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I cried when they, when we had to tear down that set, I was sobbing. And what I love is that Billy Brooks, my brilliant effects supervisor, actually took some of the set home and rebuilt it in his bedroom. And I'm so jealous. Wow. Yeah, so, so. If, you know, he could have a little rendezvous in there. and it's <laughs> in his space capsule. I like it. Now, it started out as a stage show. Yes. And uh, I remember seeing it. And yeah. um, and then it ended up being a movie. You played one of the characters. I played the role Matt Bomer played. What yeah. was it like to direct somebody playing a role that you originated? I know it had been years. Well, years. it's been so many years, and I'm I've, you know I've been so close to this to the script of this show that I kind of just feel like all of the roles are in my heart. So, but specifically, what it's like to direct me in a role you created. Um, I I had no 
what's that word? Clo- um, God, I can't remember the word, but I, I wasn't holding on to anything about you my performance. You were precious about it. Precious. Or yeah. Thank you, precious. Right. I right. No, I really was excited to see what Matt would bring to it. And, and he just, what he did with it is so much better than what I did. He, I mean, the depth of just, just he, he, the, he made the character so incredibly likable, but still a faulted person, a person with vulnerabilities. He's so, he brings such nobility to Ted, even though Ted is this guy who's totally self-medicating with marijuana and, you know, is willing to sort of let his eyes, you know, um, to lust after this new girl on the ship. He, you know, you really get why he's doing it, which is just this, this marriage that is just so over before it began because right. of something that you find out happened in his past. And it's all tied into that robotic hand. But anyway, um, it was, you know, all of these actors are kind of A-list, which right. pinched me. I don't know how that happened, which means they're all just wind them up and go. It's just point a camera at them. You know right. what I mean? There wasn't a lot to do. They're, they're brilliant. Was it intimidating at all, directing? Because I know you work a lot with actors that you know. And, and then, Is like, you, you're an you know, acting you're teacher, too, but then these people are flying in. It's, you know, Is movie it, stars. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, okay. No, you know why it wasn't intimidating? Number one, you're too overwhelmed with getting the day done. But number right. two, there they were all so kind and so ready to play and the reason why is it's a small movie it, you know we didn't have a huge everybody on that set was there because they wanted to tell that story and they wanted to live in that world so everybody was just game you know right. was it it wasn't never scary but it was amazing i mean it, there's a reason why they are who they why they've worked so much so to get to direct them was just pure bliss because you just, again, you, you just share the circumstances and then you watch this magic unfold, you know? And I love that everybody was in the same tone because that would have been the hard thing. It's like, the, it has such a specific tone, this movie, you know what I mean? Cause it's funny, but it's sad and it's tragic, but it's, but you're laughing and it's heartbreaking, but you still, you, you, you don't, you're not depressed watching it. You know what I mean? And everybody got the tone and are not doing it. Even the seven-year-old girl. It's like crazy. She was incredible. She's brilliant. How, how old is she and now? Took, it was like, literally, she was like a one-take wonder. Yeah. And I never even had to explain the scene. She was just like, okay, here we go. Yeah. And still, like, she was skipping around and playing in between takes, not smoking like I'm sure Dakota Fanning was. Yeah, oh, for sure. She's a big, uh, she smokes like a chimney. <laughs> now, it was a long road between the stage and making it happen yeah. were there times in there that you lost faith that you thought this oh, is yeah. never going to happen like what was the lowest point along the journey where you thought this is dead well the, lo- the lowest point in the journey was that um if i recall what's uh, no i'm sorry i was gonna tell a really dirty joke i'm not gonna do that you know it, it, I've, I've been pretty busy otherwise right so what i do is you know i just tended to put it on the back burner for a little while when nothing seemed to be happening but the reason why the movie got made was i just knew it had to get made and i did have faith that it would get made so i never stopped don't stop believing you never really gave up on it, even though never. it was on the back burner. It was always burning inside you, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, I love we are literally writing songs here. Um, yes, yeah, so, but there were definitely moments where I thought, oh, okay, well, it's never going to happen. But I did, you know, I just never took no for an answer is what I did. Now, what yeah. turned it around? And what also was my, the thing that Well, first said, off, meeting okay, my producers was huge. And I'm uh, Rachel Ward and Edward Parks at Rival Pictures. Like, they just got it. And that's what this movie needed. Because, you know, not everybody's going to get this, this movie. And they're gonna, everybody's going to want it to be something else. You know, it's not Spaceballs. It's not a wacky parody. It's not 
Galaxy Quest where where there's some wild sci-fi adventure. You know what I mean? It's a it's a it's a, a darkly comedic, almost family drama, but it's also an homage to all those great movies of the of the 70s. Um, so anyway, point is. They got it and believed in it, and that was a huge turning point. And then, um, you know, as every as every incredible actor signed on, signed on, it, the movie just got more and more real. And, and yeah, and um, our producers were incredible, and they they got it. And one, yeah, so I, I don't know. You you have an amazing soundtrack in your movie. I know. I know. What are some of the songs? Oh they my were so god. like, oh my god, it's like going to a jukebox in my hometown Pizza Hut in nineteen, you know, seventy six. Okay, I literally we were was, a little I, behind. <laughs> I would have said 70. That's the year, though, 76, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll never forget this moment. I got Neil Sadaka's phone number and literally called his wife. And I was like, may I please have First of all, I'm shocked that Neil Sadaka has a wife. Because, I mean, uh, you know, just, uh, okay, all right, I'm with you. That's great. No, he just seems, he just seemed like such a bachelor, you know, like a... Yes. You know. and, and, yeah, she's awesome. Okay. And they're huge fans of Matt Bomer. And they, I showed them a clip of the scene we, we were marrying it to, which is one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie, which is the, the moment where Sunshine, the little girl who just has it so bad, she's such a latchkey and ignored child of the yeah. 70s. And, but her, you know, Ted, her father, Matt Bomer, and her, and her, he really, he loves her. And there's a scene which really shows their bond in which he turns off the gravity and she flies around the room. And, and I, I just knew Laughter in the Rain was the song I had to have. And, and five minutes after she watched the scene, she called me back and said, it's yours. You know, because oh, yeah, it, was, did it you, was an amazing Did you moment. show them with the song what it would look like? Yeah, you I had did. To. Yeah. yeah, I did. And, and, and literally, the whole thing took a half hour. I, I told her, I asked her, can we do it? I showed her this, and she said yes. And then, and, yeah, and, and, and we got some other things like that, too. I mean, like, to, I, we, I, have, I have two, to, three Todd Rundgren songs in this movie. And Todd Rundgren is literally my fa- favorite musician from the 70s. Yeah. Um, he, if you listen to his music, he's always seven years ahead of what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And uh, the, the last song in the film is I Saw the Light, which is just... I mean, oh my God, because I saw the light. What does it open with? It's a Todd Rundgren song. Yeah, with Utopia. When yeah. I heard that song, I could not believe that he was literally summing up my whole, my whole movie in this song. And the amazing thing is, Utopia is like, like a three-hour song. That's all like a crazy guitar riffs. But in the middle is this like three-minute section where he sings this, 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 this chorus and this verse about utopia. And I, could, I mean, I just I got chills when I heard it. And we had, yeah. And there's also another one that I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it right That's now. That's cool. But it, People it, can go see it. Yeah, go see it. It's or got VOD you know, it. There's how much I feel, and I, I love I love the soundtrack of this. Do you show. think the '70s were sexy? Because I really do. I I'm a little older than you. Well, I think the sexies, the '70s are sexier than the '80s. I, I would I would agree with just that. in terms of the fashion and the style and the. But that was also when I came of age. You know, that's when I first started. Well, like it really depends. I mean, in terms of gay a gay man, the '70s featured. <laughs> How do I put this? The more bushy, the mustachey, the clony, village people types. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the 80s were more blow-dried, tan, smooth, yeah. dolphin shorts. Dolphin shorts. I love um. those. <laughs> I do love those. And parachute pants. But what's hotter than a 1970s Circus of the Stars? Nothing. Nothing. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and they yeah. were all in Speedos and little shorts. And <laughs> yeah. Howard Cosell was yeah. and, you know, crazy I, I running got, around. I got Patrick Wilson and Matt Bomer. They, they're shirtless in this movie. And, and Pat, um, both of them masturbate in the movie. See? There you go. <laughs> it was actually They're the both first... so good looking. Were you ever like, yeah. fuck, they're good looking? Um, 
I can certainly appreciate yeah. how how beautiful they are, but no, I didn't. I never felt. I mean, there was a moment when Matt took his shirt off where there was just like, what is that? What's happening? Because I saw it out of my eye on the, on the... Point is, the very first shot Matt had to do in the movie was shirtless, lying in bed with his wife, middle of the night, and he starts masturbating. And he's got this robot hand. And I'll never forget, first off, it was so embarrassing to have that be his first shot. But then he, he suggested, well, what if Ted masturbates with his robot hand? And we thought it was hysterical. And if you watch the movie, listen for the sound effect it makes. It's pretty hysterical. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to switch it up. Hell yeah. Right? Yeah. Were there times where you would see something on set and then look on the monitor and go, wow, Liv Ty- the camera loves Liv Tyler. Or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, where you see When it that- comes to Liv Tyler, <clears throat> everything like loves camp- her. It you know what I mean? She- like- you know what? No, I would say that people <clears throat> live, Matt, I mean, they're gorgeous and they're just as gorgeous in real life as they are on screen. But I will say that Robert Brinkman, my DP, he knows how to light. And we also really wanted to pay homage to the, the beautiful way films were shot back then. And so he really shot it with an eye for framing. There's no wiggly camera. You know, it's really every frame. I, you know, I wanted every frame to be uh, like, a, like a beautiful image, a beautiful picture or painting. Yeah. And he really did that. So, yes, there were many times where I looked at, at, at that. What's it called? Oh my god! I can't remember the thing you look in the monitor. the monitor. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god!" That's you know, beautiful. Yeah, yeah absolutely, What's absolutely. Your... And also, our main uh, one of our sets was this gorgeous, super long white hallway right out of like Space 1999 or Hoth. From I remember Street. walking through it. Oh my god! I never wanted to leave that hallway. But uh, it's very friendly to actors because the way the light comes out, it's gorgeous. Those scenes are so beautiful. What uh, are you gonna ask? What's your favorite souvenir that you kept? Because there were so many wonderful 70s. Like gadgets and well, a lot uh, of the furniture. I mean, some of the furniture and props were literally from my apartment, and so I just took them you just home. took them. That's good. <laughs> but if, you, if you turn around, uh, you'll see. Literally, there's there's the robot. There's that's, the robot. That psychiatrist. The, no, that's actually the servant bot who's oh, cleaning. Okay. You see him, and I love the fact that the very first time I reveal robots in my movie, it's literally way in the background cleaning cleaning something off the wall that got spilled on the wall moments earlier. But it's right. so not even commented on, and you might even miss it. But that's the servant robot who serves drinks and cleans things and um well the camera really does add 10 pounds um, (laughs) he's very trim he's he's very trim and toned i'm sure he dieted yeah i love that i I love that and i also if you right there is the that's the table that was in the recreation room that 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 they have um there's a huge knockdown drag out fight around that table but also Liv tyler there's a funny moment in the movie where she bangs her knee on that and I, I when i found out that i could take it home i was so happy so you didn't have it wasn't yours originally that you wasn't to take it all right no, it wasn't mine but a lot of uh, but a lot of things too that i brought to the set i i kind of didn't put, bring back because it felt a bit like the movie i was able to exercise some of my some of my tackier 70s things because you've always had some wonderful 70s oh my, stuff everybody here. says it, my my house looked like a 70s a future 70s space lodge or something yeah and so doing the movie you got to sort of get some of it out of your system i think what i was doing was what richard dreyfus did in close encounters of the third kind. I was making mountains out of everything, mashed potatoes, whatever. <laughs> right, I could right, find. right. So I was just obsessed with the uh, design and architecture and everything about the 70s because this project had been just bubbling to come out of me. And once you once you did it, I still love it, the 70s. And I mean, you look around, it's all over, but it's I, I was able to kind of let go of the hysterical you can pick obsession. Yeah. I love that. We'll take pictures of all the things that Jack talked about. Okay, one thing, so. you know what Liv Tyler fell in love with on set was this owl cookie jar that you can see in Ted and Miss. Steve's apartment. Um, right. And you see it on film, and it was something that I had bought at a swap meet years earlier, and I brought to set. And she just loved it. And so on the last day of, the sh- of her shoot, I just gifted it to her, because, and she, she was really sweet about it. She loved it. Now, tell me what it's like. You work all this time. 
you're going to premiere at like Outfest or South by Southwest. The lights go down. You're sitting there with all these people that you don't know or some that you do. And what, what, are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you? Yeah. I mean, I'm a little nervous because it's like you're, you're sending your baby away into the world to be judged by other people. And, and, um, but there's really nothing I can do. I mean, I, 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 again, I, I, I'm so thrilled with how the movie came out, but I, you know, um, very excited. And, and in, at South by Southwest, uh, about, um, four or five minutes into the movie, the projector broke. Oh the, boy. And that was the big premiere. Oh yeah. Yeah. What and, did you do? Well, the interesting, <laughs> the interesting thing is when I went up to introduce the movie before it started as a joke, I went, oh, you know what? Let's just skip the movie. And I just want to take some questions. We'll do the Q and a now right. as a joke. And it got a laugh. And then, so when the projector broke, I remember I stood up, I was going and just, you know, freaked out, stood up. And then I sort of sat down on the floor in the aisle for a moment and just something inside me kicked in. This whole thing took about 15 seconds and everybody's like confused and something in me kicked in and I just jumped up and I said, okay, so um, I asked the, them to turn off the movie because I, I feel like we're ready to take some questions now. And it got this huge laugh and I just did a Q&A, which was, it was a great payoff. It was like I meant to do it. And what it did is it just relaxed everybody because everybody was so worried about you as the filmmakers. Like, oh my God. And right. then it's hard it's to enjoy the dream and now look. And so I actually just made a big fat joke about it and, and, and just did a little stand-up routine for about 12 to 15 minutes. And then we started the movie and it went great. Now, does, does seeing something through all the way and it turns out great... Does it empower you to do the next thing or do you feel, do you feel like you're different and more confident going forward? I can do big things or does it, it still does. feel it, like it, you're starting you know, again? I mean, I do see everybody is on their soul's growth on, in the world, you know, and, and, and me, I've always been creating and producing and, you know, and it all started in a basement of a horrible, you know, comedy club where I did my very first horrible sketch show, you know, right. and now it's a, a feature film and, and it's just part of my process and growth. And yes, I, I, I'm hungry to take on the next project. Maybe I'm less, maybe I have slightly less anxiety, uh, approaching what the next thing will be. So I guess the answer is, is, is yeah, it, it does feel empowering. Um, but you also, that doesn't mean if something, you know, I've also had things that didn't go anywhere and you just right. have to say, well, that was meant to happen, but I've still learned from this and moving on. Yeah. You know, I love that where they have so many stories about like, for instance, this guy has the script of Thelma and Louise framed in his house with the big stamp rejected on it because many people rejected that script before it got made. And so you can't, you have to try not to let what people think stop you. But yes, the answer is I'm, I'm walking on air right now. I mean, it's very That's amazing. Film and I can't wait for it to find its audience and, and for the people who, who, who are going to love it to, to find yeah. it and love it. I think the people that are going to love it are going to love it. It might not be for everyone, like you said, but it's going to be like a cult, like one of those movies that people watch over and over again. Thank you. Um, what's the most random thing that came out of it? Like, have you heard from anyone that saw it or was there, was there somebody that like a surprising fan of it or something, just something random that, wow, if we didn't do space station, I never would have. <laughs> Gosh. Um, no, I mean, I'm still waiting to see. I mean, it's yeah. all still just starting. Uh, so, um, as far as random, no, but I have had so many beautiful things happen and I've gotten so many, I mean, some, some of the, the reviews are so beautiful and I've been being interviewed now for publicity and to hear people speak about your work and in, in eloquent ways, it's really, it's just, just so, thank God you it. feel like, okay, I don't know. You just feel, it feels so good. It's a relief to know. Okay. I was trying yeah. to communicate this and then they got it. It came across. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, also this year, you did a big thing um, in New York. You have a musical. I, oh, God. Okay, good. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I you thought, got arrested? I, I went on a sex tour of the alleyways <laughs> in, in Times Square. Let's talk about that. Well, it's, uh, I didn't think we were going to be talking about it, so I didn't yeah. really prepare anything. Right. But, I mean, I will say I, I, I learned a lot about yeah. myself. That's important. <laughs> always searching. <laughs> Are there sex tours? Because I'm ready. No, not at Times Square probably we isn't need to work as on good. That. Yeah, there should be. Google sex tours. I don't even know what a sex tour is. But anyway, it's like Star Tours There's a maybe? Sex in the City tour. Oh, okay. That's, I'm sure, very similar. Yeah. Could you imagine like we're meant to go on a sex tour and you show up to the Sex City tour and you're like, what the hell is Yeah, this? I don't want to hear about these shoes. I want to <laughs> fuck a twink. Yeah, I don't want to hear about where yes. Samantha, um, you yeah. know, got cancer. But yeah, I, I, I talk about being obsessed with the 70s. My, my dear friend and, and comedy partner, Seth Rudetsky, and I co wrote I, we co-wrote and I directed uh, a musical called Disaster, and it's a 1970s disaster movie musical with all hit songs from the 70s. We self-produced it off-Broadway, and it, I mean, it's just kind of crazy what happened. I mean, the reviews were insane. Like, like we were voted uh, be- top 10 by New York Post. Time Out gave us five stars. New York Times uh, gave us a, a great review. So what happened was we got our Broadway producer involved from that production, Rob Ahrens, who brought Xanadu to Broadway. I remember interviewing him. I, he yeah. likes to surf, I remember. <laughs> he's a surfer. Yeah. He's like a cool dude. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Well, he did Xanadu, for God's I know. sake. And so we're, we're, we're coming to Broadway next summer. Oh, my God. I mean, God. We're, ra- we're raising money now, so if there's any people who've always desired to to be a Broadway producer, now's your time. So the whole time you were mounting disaster in New York, you were looking you're talking at... talking about the sex tour disaster? The disaster. Because okay, you said mounting, I got uh, confused. Because I... <laughs> so the, the sex tour doing... was a disaster. Exactly. But I don't want to talk about the sex no, tour, No, the Dennis. sex tour is off the limits. So the whole time we were mounting disaster. Right. You would, you would get updates on Space Station or yeah. special effects. Did you yeah, feel both schizophrenic? Time. Or was it kind I of... Felt so satisfied as an artist, like just so satisfied. Like you're just going on all cylinders. Yeah, it was it was an amazing time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved it. It was very exciting to be kind of involved in both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I went and saw Disaster, and it was delightful. Thank you. What's your favorite moment in the show? You can go to disastermusical.com and watch. Like there's, we have clips from the show. My favorite moment in the show. Yeah. Oh gosh, I mean. Ugh. Oh, so many. But I would say that in general, like people are obsessed with the nun. Yeah. We have a character uh, and, and that's, you know, she, it's her name is Sister Mary and she's secretly addicted to gambling. And she has this 11 o'clock number that people scream. I mean, it's, she was nominated for a couple awards in New York from the off-Broadway production. And so I guess her big number, oh, every time and just knowing it was coming up. And yeah. Like, yeah, but there's so, I mean, we pick songs we love and we also turn them on their ear and we give them double meanings and, and, uh, help but they're they always tell the story in this really surprising way but they're all still songs that i'm obsessed with right and like i mean and and they're some of them are amazing songs like don't bring me down but some are like your favorite cheesy songs like feeling yeah <laughs> so how um, did you go about the process of picking the songs and then figuring out where they would fit did you just start looking through the billboard charts of the 70s oh, yeah what's I mean, your I memorized, starting point i memorized you just have look and look at yeah. at, at the at the list of 70s songs but then other times songs, like I, again, about, I woke up one morning and just went, because we knew we needed a song for this moment in the show where everybody talks about where they are emotionally. And I just woke up singing feelings to myself, but that's probably only because I was kind of, my head was listening to so yeah. many. Yeah. And, uh, the great thing is that the refrain, whoa, 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 Seth 
came up with this idea that gives it this really hysterical double meaning. So people just scream in laughter at that. Um, but sorry, what was the process? You know, it, yeah. Where do you start things. to pick the songs? Many many different ways. Sometimes you just know what you need, so you look through all the songs. Other times you hear a song and you go, "Oh my God, this would totally be perfect for a moment where dot dot dot." Uh, yeah. So like one of my favorite ones that I personally picked for the show was um, "You're My Best Friend" because yeah. the lyric goes, "Ooh, you make me live," yeah. and so I use it at the top of the second act when somebody's dying yeah. and his best friend is trying to get him to safety, but he's got yeah. this. This um, he's impaled by this piece of metal. He's gonna die anyway. So he keeps collapsing, and his friend has to give him uh, what is this heart pal- CPR? CPR, and his friend will give him CPR, and he'll just sit up and go, "Ooh, you make me live." Right. And it's, you know, I love that one. And I came up with put it with uh, sky high, which takes on several different meanings. Right. And um, it was just you know, you just have a eureka moment that feels so good. What was it like performing in it? Because you play, you acted in it for a while, right? It was weird. In what it was way? weird because it's a very evocative experience to direct a, a musical. I'd never had, and it's a very powerful experience. And you are definitely on the side of the lights you're on. You know, you are really very alone out there in the dark, you know, and then to all of a sudden to be on the other side of the lights in front of everyone, with everyone, very strange feeling. Even though Which I've done it so many play? times, I played the villain. And, right. I, and I hope to play him again. I won't open the Broadway show because it's enough to direct a Broadway right. show. But uh, it was incredible because also there I am performing ne- right next to my, you know, Seth, who is my dear, dear, longest time friend. And Seth Rudetsky, who Seth lives Rudetsky, in New York. And he plays the, 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 the disaster expert, a very pr- professorial guy with very little sense of humor who, because of that, ends up being very funny. Right. What was the biggest thing that you didn't agree on as you were working on it? Was there something where you're like, where you were like, no, no you're, it has to be this way or that way? Or was there a song, I hate that song, no, I love it. You know, was there anything like that? You know what? We've been comedy partners for 20 years or more. So, no, like, we you, literally just You think the same argue. things are funny? No, that's the weird thing, is that we always agree on things, but we think they're funny for different reasons, right. which is so interesting, you know? But we also each have our own strengths. You know, he's good at this, I'm good at that, and we support each other that way. I'm trying to think of, you know... There certainly were songs that he was like, that'll never work. Like Sky High, he was like, it's just not going to work. And then all of a sudden, we figured it out. We unlocked the thing that it needed. But I don't think we ever had something that that we were really butting heads about. That's good. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, you, you decide who you surround yourself by. And Space Station was the same way. I mean, everybody was a complete joy to work with. And it was the nicest set ever. And every designer costume set, uh, props, I mean... We all, everybody was just there because they got it and they wanted to create that world and were excited by that world. Yeah. And the neat thing about the world is, again, I told everybody, even uh, costumes, props, everybody set, I said, I want to take, I want to create something new by taking exactly like, by taking what, what 1970 sci-fi movies looked like, but then on the other hand, taking what real suburban homes looked like in the seventies and merging them together to create something new. So like, while. You know, in while you might have a, a, a capsule, a residential capsule that looks reminiscent of Space 1999, it has a recessed living room covered in shag carpeting. Right. You know what I mean? So that you're you're looking at something fantastical and new, but that has, brings about this warm memory, and you go, "Oh yeah, I remember that." I wish that there were a pl- was a place that space space station 76 oh with all God. the dolls oh and the God, thing. Yeah. I would have so much fun with that thing. Someone create it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, oh, yeah. get to it, listeners. Yeah. 
Absolutely, because um, I want. I mean, I basically created the spaceship I wanted to live yeah. on. I want to live on. I mean, I love that that Ted and Missy's capsule has wood paneling. Yeah, <laughs> they still got wood paneling in space. Yeah, yeah. Now you teach acting as well as a hobby. I did. I when began did you doing start that doing as a, it? Uh, years and years ago as a, ho- a way to give back to the community because I wanted to find a, a way to volunteer my time that I felt I could. Re- and because what had happened was that I had a lot of anxiety as an actor, so I had started studying self help or, or or new thought, which is essentially focusing on love and not fear. Right. And without realizing it, I was applying that to my acting. Without even realizing it, I just wanted to grow as a, as a person and let go of my anxiety. So what I realized about 10 years into my journey, my self-help journey, was that I had this incredible thing I could share with actors, which is a way to look at acting that makes it really easy, really fun, and when you approach it that way, you book more work. So I basically wrote... Everything I, I, I teach, I wrote for free in an online book you can read on my website for free, which is jackplotnick.com. Right on. And the book is called New Thoughts for Actors. And my favorite thing in the world is when an actor comes up to me and says, you've never met me, but I read your website and it changed my life. And like Sutton Foster read my website and she said it totally saved her when she was going through a hard time with a show. And um, That's amazing. It, Sutton it is Foster, so cool. the Tony I'm sorry, yeah, like she's Broadway. Of, like a hundred Tonys. Yeah, anything yeah. goes. And- I, I mean, that's what I live for is to... And And what is really neat is these actors, you know, because also the book does just teach acting tidbits that I've learned just from being an actor. But there's also a lot of new new thought on there and and learning to control your thoughts because that's the only thing you need to do as an actor since acting's easy. It's just playing pretend and there's no right way to do it. But my point is what I love is that these actors who read the book or come to a workshop or one of my charity lectures – what they don't know is, uh, for a lot of them, I'm their first introduction to spirituality. Right. And... And they're not even aware of it. They're sort of, it's going through the, kind of the back door. It kind yeah. of like, they, they well, come... We're not talking about my sex tour. No, Dennis, no, we're not. But I mean, if you consider spirituality focusing on love, that's what I mean. For a lot of people, it's their first realizing that that negative voice in their head is not the truth. Was there a moment in your own career where you remember that kind of thinking helping you like oh my a, god a, was it was there a, a point where you felt it go that way or was it gradual it was, well, was kind of gradual no it isn't but gradual there was a moment that's where it, it, it yeah. isn't gradual that's the amazing thing yeah when you make a discovery or have a new thought it's immediate and everything changes and do now, you remember that now you? will you do i remember that moment gosh for me oh gosh well no i don't remember the one moment because it was so long ago. <laughs> right. No, that's cool. But uh, I will say that I've seen it in actors, and it's amazing that they'll write to me. They'll go, you know, I, I coached with you for the first time, or, or I saw your work. Just all I did was see your lecture, and I went to an audition the next day, and I booked it, and everything's different. And, and, and it is that quick. You know, the acting coaches who need your money, they will tell you, oh, no, no, this is a long process. Right. But of course they need to say that. You won't keep coming to their class. Right. And you never did it for the money. It was but, just something you but did. I will, but I will never forget a change, the sea change in my life when somebody met me at 21 years old and said, I think you could you could afford to read. I think you should read this book. And it was, it was way of the peaceful warrior, which is a lot of people's first self-help book. Cause it's actually a young, a young, a young reader's novel, but it's a self-help book in disguise. And I love that he just saw me that I was probably a little screwed up in the head or just overly anxious at that age. And he told me to read the book and I read the book and, and it was over. I was like, I was hooked. Who because, was this I mean, person? Jim Barber, who is actually quite a famous actor, stage actor. 
And, and how um, did you know him? Uh, he, I was doing a children's show with him. We were both very young, and I'm so grateful to him that he introduced me to that book. And that was the first of many. You know, um, other, other books are like uh, my, my Bibles. You can't afford the luxury of a negative thought. I listened to Marion Williamson's lectures on tape for years, and that totally changed. You know, so it's a it's a process of changing the way you think. But but the nice thing is the payoffs are immediate. Yeah, that's great. When did you move to L.A.? How long ago was it, that? It was 1890. And right? Because so, yeah, I feel like I met you well, not I long after you moved to like 93 or something like that. Uh, Does yeah. that sound right? 91 is when I moved here. And, and I met, met you other. in like 92, exactly. 93. You were one of the, yes, absolutely one of the first and favorite people I met here in L.A. We met at a party yes. at Kathy Griffin's and, house and, and that basically I went to I didn't with talk, Show. I didn't talk to anybody but you because I was completely obsessed with your stories about cruise ship, your cruise ship days. Right. It feels like... It kind of feels like a million years ago, and it also feels like yes, last year, yeah. in Absol- a way. Absolutely. Well, we look like it was last year. We look like it was last yeah. year. If we've smoked and drank and not slept since then. I know. <laughs> um, what was it like when you first came here? Were you super well, into it? Was it a little overwhelming? Did you... L.A.? Yeah. Well, I lucked out, and, and I came to L.A. with a great gig that didn't go. It was an HBO pilot. So it kind of, through that, I was able to meet some really cool performers. And, and I happened into the alternative sketch, alternative stand-up movement of the right. early 90s. And I just became a huge fan of theirs. I went to every show. I was the weird guy standing in the corner who was like, I love you. And basically, I just hung out and just um, eventually they were like, well, you want to get up on stage with us? And that's how I became sort of a part of that community. And it was an amazing, because, you know, I saw... Jack Black before he was Jack Black, and I, and and you know, and all these amazing Sarah Silverman, Janine Garofalo. And what happened to Jack Black? Where is he? Right, we haven't seen him in a he, while. He's actually ha- just killing time in my living room. <laughs> he's right. He's waiting for us to be done so yeah. you guys can go hang out. Yeah. All right. Cool. No, but it's kind but of. Like I, lo- I love LA, and and I think it's because New York didn't really resonate for me because I'm a suburban boy at heart, right. and LA feels like the suburbs. What's something you know now? And that- as I flew to LA, there were two people in the aisle behind me talking about a self help book, and I went, I think, I think I'm coming home. Right. You know, they were like. You know how you... Sure. Yeah, yeah. But you connect to it. You felt like, I get these people. Yeah. I connect to something there. Yeah. What's something you know now that you wish you would know when you first got here? About the business or about yourself or about... I mean, obviously, we all go through our own journeys and stuff, but... What's something I know now that I wish I'd known? Yeah. Well, oh, gosh. I think uh, that, that you, you get the power you ask for, that you take, and that you amount more power than you think, and uh, ask for help, and reach out to mentors... And um, it's a lot. I've, I'm, yeah. I've, I've often done things just on my own, and I'm, and that's okay because I'm very happy with where I am. Yeah. But um, gosh, what else? So there's too many, kind of too many things. But sure. Think, yeah. Um, but I'd say uh, buy early. Yeah. That's a stock thing, don't, right? Don't rent. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I should have probably bought a place long ago, but, but I you, love my place. Yeah, you. It's you, great. I yeah. love my place. It's, it's enchanting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and very, very convenient. I remember getting ready for the only time I really hardcore did drag, getting ready for Halloween, getting <laughs> ready did. in this I apartment. from that, yeah. I was Anne Margaret. That was yeah. sort of fun and then not fun and then fun again. And then it, like, you know, yeah. like it wasn't. That was just like my sex tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and people also know you from Gods and Monsters. Yeah. What's your favorite memory of that? I remember visiting the set. And I remember Serian kind of falling asleep during a take. <laughs> well, that was during my take. Yeah. Because they put my take at the hottest moment of the day. Right. I remember looking around, and it's my close-up, and everyone's asleep. 
And and I just remember thinking of my and I, and I did it what my first take and Bill kind of goes you 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 got you got to step it up this this in a very nice way he let me know it wasn't playing and I you know I was exhausted and it's because from the heat and I just remember looking around at everyone asleep and thinking to myself okay okay this is this is your shot and I just buckled down and I, and I, and 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 I'm I'm very happy with how how that came out and it was and and you know how I got that job by performing at your birthday in drag. It was like the first, one of the first times you did Evie Harris. Yes, it was a, a telethon. And you a asked fake me, telethon. you asked me to put on this hour long or two hour long show with you, and I was like, "Fuck you, yeah, okay." I loved, I loved do, playing. We did with a you. lot of crazy. We were stuff. always doing that shit. We did and, a fake telethon for a fake charity, and yeah. you and I co-hosted it. Yeah. And there were all these amazing Evie bits. Like I, I remember, fell, you... I fell down a flight of stairs. <laughs> it was because place... throughout the show, she's getting more and more drunk. Yes. Yeah. And by the end, you, you find out it was a telethon for my brother because you had a dead twin brother. Or something. Uh, he was he was injured. injured. It was yeah. for people that had been hit by ice cream trucks. And by the end of it, I confessed that I pushed him in front of the ice cream truck because yeah. he was the star. Yeah, and let <laughs> let me remind your audience: this was for Dennis's birthday. It was just a birth, just like, a birthday party. And do you look back at those days and think? No, we. That's why. That's what you. Sh- that's what we're here to do. But I still feel like I'm doing that. Like yeah. I, I felt like because we love it. I. I also remember doing a show with you where it was one of your numbers that you had done, and I was filling in for somebody. It was the Joyce Dewitt backup dancers, yeah. and it was maybe like ten years ago, and we were doing it at some benefit, like on Fairfax for something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And feeling then like, wow, I can't believe I haven't outgrown this. It's kind of great that I haven't outgrown this. Yeah. And the and thing now, is, if you ask me right now to do it tomorrow, I would put on that yeah. bowler hat and I would go do it. Yeah. You know what? You, you, uh, my, somebody once said, you've been doing what you love since you were a little kid. And why should you stop doing it? Because right. that, that is the amazing thing. If you, really, if you think back to what you loved as a little kid, you're still doing it in some way. And why should you ever stop? Uh, hopefully it grows and hopefully, you, you know. But, um, the, yeah, so about that birthday party, Bill Condon, who was – People didn't know who he was at the time. Was in the audience. Yeah, and he he's brought a, me a in. Friend of mine. Yeah, and, within, and, and about a year later, I was in uh, Sir Ian McKellen's Oscar clip. So thank you, Dennis. I and really I remember thank you watching from the, the of my heart. I remember watching the Oscars with you. Yeah, I was, and it was the year Gwyneth Paltrow won and Bill won. And I remember having this big crazy Oscar party at like the Abbey. It was the '90s. People had money, and that happened. I also remember being in Studio One when the Puppy episode aired. Of the Ellen, Ellen, Ellen's coming out, and episode, you were yeah. in that. Yeah. What was it like to be part of that huge cultural moment? What do you remember about it? I was just so thankful and grateful. One of the most evocative memories was uh, when the bomb threat happened during rehearsal. And we all went out. And it was scary. And we all went out to the parking lot. And I was standing next to Laura Dern, who, by the way, just stand near her. And you know how how incredibly amazing of a a spirit she has. You know what I mean? And we were just, me and Laura were standing there just talking about what a shame that was, you know, but, and how, and, and it was scary to go back onto the sound stage, you know, cause we didn't know if it was real or fake, but in how a way, I think that, that what was Laura when you said, were shooting it? I think what, yeah, we were rehearsing it. I think Laura said, this is why we're doing this though. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And she, and, and I, I still feel sad. I think she got hit hard backlash a bit for playing. I and, read that somewhere and it surprised me because a, she's so great. And she, did she play her girlfriend? It was probably, yeah, she played a, girl, a girlfriend, and I think it was literally a year before that became okay. But it wasn't okay in that moment. It, she took a hit for it, and that looking back, it seems crazy that she would, but that's where we were at. But luckily, you She's can bounced tell. back. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of And bounce- here's something crazy. Yes. In my hometown of Columbus, Ohio, my very first time on film, I was an extra in the movie Teachers, 
which they happened to film in Ohio, which Laura Dern was in. I was on the phone with a friend. Laura Dern walks by. She's the big star. She, I was just looking at her and kind of probably smiling because I'm on the phone with her, my friend. She goes, who you? she walks over to me. She goes, who are you talking to? I went, my friend, Colby. She goes, oh, let me say hi. And now that's Laura Dern and who she's always been. Wow. Yeah. And Colby was like, knew who it was. <laughs> Colby didn't, but was like, literally, probably five years later, I went in. Wasn't that cool when Laura Dern talked to you? And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, Laura Dern. She goes, you put some girl on the phone. <laughs> she didn't know who She it was. didn't know who it was. <laughs> Laura Dern's rattling off her uh, wild at heart. Maybe you've heard of it. Or uh, yeah, Citizen yeah. Ruth. Maybe. Not, nothing. No, wow. She had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's cool, though. Here's she another tidbit cool. from teachers. I Nick love Nolte it. Nick kept showing up on set drunk. And one day... Who did? He went, Nick Nolte. Okay. And one day he was... He wouldn't stop pretending to be a frog. Yeah. And they just had to just shut down and send us kids home. (laughs) When you watch the movie, can you see you? Many times. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Now, uh... Teacher, teacher, will you teach me? You've been in shows like Action, on, and uh, that was Zan- on Fox or yeah. HBO? Yeah, that, well, sadly, not HBO. Yeah. Fox. Yeah. And Xander and Drawn Together. Drawn yeah. Together. Some things have gone probably as far as you wanted them to go, and other things like, oh, that could have gone. Action was heartbreaking. How, yeah. does, how do you navigate, how do you deal with the you disappointment of the ups and downs of the business? I went into therapy for, for and thank God I did, because there, everyone should go into therapy for a little while. Yeah. Because until you do, you can't, it's so hard to really examine what, you're, what, what your thoughts are doing. But it was hard when action ended. That was a hard one for me. How do you, because you're somebody who's very empowered, somebody who, who, who believes that, that they can do, yeah. they can affect things. How do you um, reconcile your own sort of role in everything with the sort of randomness of the business? Do you know what I mean? Because well, sometimes it I feels teach, like... all I teach now is how to let go of control and trust that there's a higher plan unfolding for you and to, be, and to always return to being grateful. And, right. And it, it sounds like malarkey, but if you it, read my website, you'll get it's it. It's cool, though. But, but, you, yeah, you, but you have actually put a lot of thought and work into dealing with that stuff because it's a big part of yeah and everybody should i think it's why we're here on earth yeah we're all handed an ego or a negative voice and and we're here to as like we're like these little candles in the darkness that yeah. need to that, that that have to experience love here on earth and to choose love over fear yeah anyway what were you going to say nothing i was going to move on to Action another awesome. project what's that um, Evie Harris, Shining Star, the yeah. short movie we made on Hollywood Boulevard. I still well, that was my comeback from action, was getting back in touch with what I love and, and, and just throwing a wig on and doing that stupid character. And we created that short film that... That's, I, didn't realize, I didn't connect it to the action. It, 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 it was. It was me getting back in touch with, with just performing and doing what I like and just not giving a shit about who likes it. And, that's and, amazing. Yeah. And that's when Coco and I started doing those charity yes. fundraisers. And so you and I did that short film, which is still probably the thing I'm, like, one of the things I'm absolutely most proud of. And you can it's, watch it on YouTube, right? I know. It's on YouTube. It's, it's, called, it's in two parts. Evie Harris. Step that up. Evie Harris, Shining Star. And I think it's, it's Evie Harris. Um, I, I take Evie Harris as a longtime fan to Hollywood Boulevard to clean her star. <laughs> so and you, I, love- I still think of you anytime I walk down Hollywood Boulevard yeah, at those yeah, stars yeah. and stuff and look it down at them. What? But what I love is that it's got the same thing that you always put into everything you do, Dennis, which is it's hysterical, but it's got so much heart. Oh, and thank it's got you. this ending, and you just go, oh. Like, well, you hop on a bus. You got on a city bus at the end. I don't even know if you had money to pay for the bus. Like, you, you literally got on it and drove away. And you we made didn't know me, when you, you were going to. You made me do that. 
<laughs> and it was very uncomfortable <clears throat> and awkward. Yeah. But it, it's a shot worth having. It's uh, a beautiful ending. I'm going to do something kind of indulgent right now. I have a favorite line from it uh-huh. that makes me laugh every single time. Okay. Because of the way you deliver it. Okay. Do you have any guesses? No. Do you have you watched it in a while? Basically, Evie goes stuff. to all these different stars and talks crazy stories about them. But the one that makes me laugh every time is Lawrence Welk. Ah, oh, Lawrence. Every Sunday I used to make a big bowl of popcorn and then plop down on the couch and blow him. <laughs> I don't know if I nailed it right, but, you know... Yeah, that and sounds down right. in front of his crotch and blow him. I think, yeah. I, I think I choked. But <laughs> that's the line that always... Well, oh, God, I love that show. Every Sunday, he used to make a big bowl of popcorn, plop down in front of his crotch and blow him. <laughs> the popcorn has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Not the I love that. I love that joke. I love the way you say it. Um, now, for my podcast, I found this device at the Sharper Image that... You can take old cassettes and hook it up to your computer and make MP3s of it. Oh, wow. And one of the first, the tests to make sure it worked, you know what I used? I used this this tape that we made. It was for my book launch. And you performed Evie at the book signing. And it was yeah. Evie doing the Chicago yeah, Roxy. Yeah, I love that one. I have it I on cassette. And now it's an MP3. Oh, I, I can play it through. Yeah, you. I love that show. Yeah. I remember that very well. Because that was the one where Evie underdressed a bunch of different outfits. And so, she kept and they all them look alike, But they're all more revealing. So they're all this horrible mustard yellow thing. It starts as a gown. And then she steps out of that and it's a mini. Yeah. She steps out of that and it's a bathing suit. Yeah. <laughs> and then she does Roxy. And I, I love that. And there were, we were four dancers around her doing the Chicago choreography. Yeah. And I remember, um, who's the, the dancer from Chicago that helped us? I don't remember. Michael. That, it was the actual... Michael Arnold. Yeah, yeah. And he taught us yeah. some of the moves. Hold, hold the egg. Hold the egg. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then it was like she did a swimming dance break, but it yeah, was like Williams swimming. Type. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll play that as, a, as an extra. I okay. listened to it. I think I'm playing the piano when we recorded it, and I'm, I kind of suck. Massacring it. Oh, it's bad. There'd be like, dun. Clams. There was a lot of clams. But the spirit of, like, youthful creativity will come forward. Yes. Um, And then Evie, uh, Gods and Monsters, or not Gods and Monsters, Girls Will Be Girls. Right, yeah. Um, People, like, there's fans of that that probably are like, I can't believe they love Girls Will Be Girls. Like, who was I talking to? Oh, Rebecca Romaine loves that show. You told me that story that Um, she said... And Jerry O'Connell said, yeah, my wife forces everyone who comes over to watch it. And yeah. She, but somebody told me, maybe it was her, because I actually got to work with her, and she is literally nicest lady in show business, as is Jerry O'Connell, so it's the perfect couple. But she said, yeah, I test I test new friends with that by, with that movie. So, in other words, she'd show it to them, and if they don't laugh at that shit, she's like, mm, probably not going to be my friend. Who else, <laughs> who else has been a surprising fan of, of Evie or oh, that movie? Oh, yeah, uh, the, the Ghost of Abraham Lincoln. Really? Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, loves it. Are you kidding? Can't get yeah. enough. I love it. No, um, it, you know, it's, I, it's, I, it's the thing I'm most, people most stop me and talk to me about. More than anything it, else. Oh, definitely. And you don't yeah. look like yourself in it. Yeah. No, but I, I'm getting there. Yeah. No, <laughs> I've been recognized from it. I have one scene and I'm like, I've had people say, oh, you're at the house yeah. with the pool guy. It, yeah. It's, it's a wonderful feeling to gotten to be part of putting that out there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you picked a few questions from my random deck, so let's talk about a couple of those. Uh, okay. What do we have? Okay, what's the worst costume or uniform you've had to wear for work? Okay, so that could be... Well, I mean, the first... The Dairy Queen or The first thing crazy. that came to mind is, as a high school student, m- one of my jobs, and I was so happy to not be um, frying fries at McDonald's, was a... 
I would go places and surprise people with telegrams, but in character as different things. Okay. So, like, one of the most embarrassing was a proctologist character. I dressed like a doctor. I had he was Doctor Smelly Finger, and I had a um, Doctor Smelly and Finger. I had, to, I had a, gl- a, gl- a, gl- a glove with chocolate frosting all over one of the fingers, and I would surprise people in restaurants and be like, "It's time for your exam." But but one time I had to dress like a bum, and I'm going to a restaurant, and I had to sing and surprise this person, and I got kicked out. They were because they thought I was a homeless person. My, wow. Now, let me That's set, some good acting. Let me set this up. I'm 15 years old with char- a charcoal beard. Yeah. You know, like the, like literally out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, and they kicked me out of the restaurant. But um, that was really embarrassing, having to show up places and do that. Oh, so my gosh. That, that's what came to mind. But And then another time, okay, I'm 16. I'm literally, I'm skinny as a twig, praying mantis skinny, dressed as Santa Claus to go to this. I was brought, um, sent to this the, the very poor people, this, they like spent all their money on on getting a Santa a Santa Claus to come to their son who was he had a brother but he was dying. Wow! And so, so how for, did they get you of all the people? To play well, Santa? that's what I think is horrible. I think they saw like, range. Uh, they saw that you could play anything. All, uh, probably I'm all they could afford, you right. know. And I'll never forget it. He said to me, "I said, ho ho ho, as a skinny Jewish Santa Claus, what would you like for Christmas?" He said, "I want um, my parents to get anything they wish for." Aww. Yeah, so literally his wish. Anyway, I don't mean to bring you down. That's sweet. I just love that we story. We like that stuff. Okay, It's anyway. a safe space here. But yeah, but I, in, in terms of costumes, I never got to wear a new costume because as the youngest sibling, I always got the costume handed down that everyone right. had already worn. But I thought, like Linus, if I could go to the pumpkin patch and wear it the most earnestly, because I would go to the school costume contest thinking maybe I'd win because I'd wear You'd that horrible, it. that horrible paper mache lion costume with so much, yeah, earnestness and, and passion. And no, I mean, I was always, it was always really sad and pathetic. Yeah. And I never forget the costume I thought that was going to really get me attention was an alien. I was probably five years old and this was seven years old. It was an alien. And I'd go to every door and people would, everybody thought I was that little, who's a Jolly Green Giants helper? Niblet or the little, sprout. Nugget? little Sprout. Yeah. And they'd go, oh, Little Sprout. And I was like, I'm a green alien. Yeah. It was very depressing. Uh, my, the worst thing I think I ever had to wear for something was when I worked on the cruise ships as a dancer, the opening number of every cruise was Life's a Cruise, and it was um, set to a lot of living to do from Bye Bye Birdie. So it's like, <laughs> Life's a Cruise, come on, and enjoy it. And we had blue LeMay sailor suits, and they were so itchy, and they showed every un- bad bulge, and it was really oh. awful. They were, like, toxic. And I still have it to this day, and I've written a pilot about uh, cruise ship dancers, and the, the suit plays a major role. Ah. I, mean, I think I will. Did it give everybody camel toe? Oh, the even girls the, even especially. The even the guys had camel toe. Yeah, yeah terrible, terrible. For sure. Camel toe is just everybody's worst. For sure. Now, but you also, one of your big breaks was um, on Conan, the Slim yeah. Morgan body. So you wore that, that suit. That was a crazy suit, because I played, Slim Morgan body was my big break uh, on TV, and so he was a parody of Slim Goodbody, who was right. the children's entertainer. But but the thing about Slim Good Organ body, who I played, he actually was born with his organs on the outside. So he's this Las Vegas entertainer, but the only, he can't actually get that job because he's so disgusting looking. The only thing he can do is teach children about their, their organs. And I'll never forget, right before I went on the first time on live TV, there was this big t- tech guy kneeling in front of me, hot gluing half an Easter egg, two of them, to my, for balls. <laughs> for, for testicles. Like and, an Easter egg, like a plastic one you yeah, would get plastic at like one. CBS? Two, two halves of a plastic, as wow. my testicles. And then they would 
take um, lubricant jelly and just wipe it all over these organs. That was pretty gross. But I was just so thrilled. How many appearances of that did I you do? I think I did like 10. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really tr- uh, jumping right into the fire, going from no TV to live television. It was terrifying, but incredible experience. And you auditioned for that? Just I did like audition off the street? for it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. That's good. All right, what else do you got for your other picture, uh, your other card? Well, just when you saw your first Dirty Magazine, and that was... My friend and I were, used to like to go creek walking in, in Columbus, Ohio, and we saw a bunch of old black and white magazines in a pile, and we got close, and we realized they were porns. And when that happened when you were a kid and you found a stash Jackpot. Oh, my God. Jackpot. It was amazing. Yeah. I'll never forget seeing this picture of oral sex. This girl was doing this guy, and I was so confused by it because it did look like she was drinking out of a straw, and I just didn't understand yeah. What? Why? Why? Why is that a blowjob? What is she? Just is she, anyway. Very confusing. It didn't trap. But the crazy thing is that I think. Wait a minute. Even before that, I'm a little kid, and and we were. I remember I was in my hometown suburbia, and we we found this suitcase in, in, in the garbage of our neighbor's house, and we opened it up, and it was full of porn magazines. Jackpot. Another one, and I'll never forget because. He comes running out of the house. He goes, stop, stop with that The neighbor, down. you got busted. Yeah, but no, no. I remember they were like, get in the car, get in the car. And I jumped in the car with a suitcase of porn and we took off. That's amazing. That's all I remember. Very yeah. strange. You don't remember the dividing about dividing up the loot, one for you, one for me, <laughs> one for them. I remember we kept it in our in our attic. Yeah. My older brother had dirty magazines and I would always sneak around. And I remember a lot of times hiding it in my sock when I would the like... Whole- no, a whole ma- just a magazine, like oh, yeah. hiding, taking one magazine and hiding it in my sock, and yeah. and I also remember it was it was a long time before you could see hardcore anything touching anything really. So there would be clips with like stars over where the like where the organ would go into another organ. There would be like a star. <laughs> so yeah. So did you think that's what women's genitalia looked did, did, like? Everyone had stars. Just yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to believe this, but at an arcade at the Ohio State Fair when I was a little kid, there was a game. And oh shoot, I used to know the name of it. But essentially, it was on the screen was a real photo of a woman, and she's dressed. And there's a target, and you're you shoot at the target, and whenever you hit the target, she takes off a piece of clothing till so she's naked. Right. This was considered okay. That's wow. why I love the 70s. Yeah. Because back then, you didn't want to show people killing each other, but the human body was like, that's cool, yeah. man. That was in a, a video arcade for children. Yeah. And even if you look at 70s movies, the sexual yeah. revolution was happening, and then AIDS came and kind of... You think AIDS is that I fall? think it did. Because I think... Well, it's, it, I, think I think it was part like of it, for sure. Political correctness, which is very much coming from that... In the Reagan rate. years. Yeah. yeah. Who, and, you know, they fucking... They have nothing to do yeah. with AIDS because they had nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. So, and then you picked one other question. Oh. I but I think we're going to make this a special episode. We might tease it in this one. Well, it was, yeah, what's a voicemail that was left for you that you played more than once? And I said to you, Dennis, that, well, I saved them so I could play So we play can play them. You. Really? Okay, we'll play a couple of them. We're going to do that in a special episode. And also in that special episode, we're going to p- put the EV song. Can I put it on there? Of course. Okay. Well, I just didn't know because your performance yeah. is dynamite. But Aww. I do hit a few clams. <laughs> and, yeah, and you could hear us going... The yeah. name on every... We're, like, trying to sound like this robust choir. I don't even remember <laughs> where I recorded it, where we recorded it, on uh, whose I mic. think it was a bookstore. It was a reading of we performed, book, yeah. Adventures. But I, I don't know that... We were singing to a track. Oh, right. Like, I had the... A track. So we prepped. We'd done it in advance. We were always doing some shit. We were doing some crazy stuff yeah, back really. in the day. Well, um, having seen you 
grow and evolve through the years. I just want to say I'm so proud of what you've achieved Thank with you, the Dennis. movie this and, was a blast. Really and the musical and... I love that you're doing your thing and you're true to yourself. Oh, and, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you. So go to spacestation.com, spacestation76.com. Yes. Or you can get, you know, you right now you can pre-order your DVD or your, you can pre-order your digital download if you're not in L.A. or New York to see, to see it in theaters this weekend. Fantastic. You will not be disappointed. It's a really unique, original, fun, poignant, beautiful movie. And you see 70s muff. That's right. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Nothing wrong with that. Did you have to pick the muff as a director? Yes, because it turns out... The Mr. Model- Prodnick, which, which muff yeah. do you want? <laughs> I had a table of muffs. We, we hired a Playboy model to, to play this. Uh, well, I won't give it away, but she does full frontal. Right. But the, what I found out is women are shaving now. Yeah, you... So you have to buy... You can't just pick any hot yeah, chick and expect her to have... you 70s or real 70s muff, you gotta... Yeah, you gotta buy it. You have to pay extra? For the Merkin, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sh- so it's not... The muff's not real. No... Wow. I don't know if any, yeah, I don't think. Okay. I don't think you could have found. You yeah. could have. <laughs> That's movie magic, folks. All right. Thanks for listening. Jack, thanks for uh, being here. And we're going to do a little extra episode now, and you can catch that in a few days. All right. Bye. Bye. My thanks again to Jack Plotnick. Go check out his movie, Space Station 76. Um, before I let you go, we had last week's burning question based on the interview with Benjamin Allen. What music video could you watch over and over again? And I had a few responses. Um, We heard from Karen, who likes the OK Go video with the treadmills. And I love it, too. I don't remember the song, but it's just the treadmills. They're, you know, it's it's amazing. And she also cited Mark Allman's Tears Run Rings from her younger days. And I don't know what that is, but it makes me sound like I have edgy fans, and I'll take it. Um, John liked When I Think of You by Janet Jackson, as well as Open Your Heart, Madonna. Two classics. And Mark backed him up with When I Think of You and also cited Love Will Never Do Without You, which is where we first got to see Antonio Sabato Jr.'s dimples. And now he's on Dancing with the Stars. Or I could say that, and now he's on Dancing with the Stars. I should make that a positive thing. It's a great thing to be on Dancing with the Stars. All right, this week's burning question. I uh, talked to Jack about what message was left on your machine or your voicemail that you played over and over. And, um... He was so inspired by that that he literally played me voicemail messages, and we're going to have them in an upcoming Dennis Anyone Extra podcast. I'm very excited about it. It's going to be silly and a little bit, like, creepy and fun. Um, It was really crazy. Uh, So if you have a message that was left for you, you don't have to play the message, but if you want to describe it or say, this happened and they left a message, I love hearing stories like that. And you can do that on the blog page at DennisAnyone.net. So that's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.